Hello, I'm Shane Hartsfield, pastor of Beaver Baptist Church. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. If you have any questions about what it means to follow Christ or questions about our church, direct you to our website, beaverbaptist.com, for our contact information. Weekly, we study exegetically through books of the Bible. And now, join us as we dive into today's passage. We're here at Beaver. We want to we want to teach truth. We just sang truth, and now I want to teach truth this morning. I appreciate the praise team and sound team and all that they do. What a blessing that was. We're in the book of Jonah. We're going to teach through Jonah chapter 1 and 2 this morning. So take your Bibles and turn there. If you would, Jake, I appreciate you reading for us this morning. We're going to be looking at this text. Even though we've read it, we'll read a little bit of this again. But what comes to your mind when you think of the book of Jonah? I hope it's not the image that was on my children's storybook Bible. You know, those card book, cardboard books that young children have has all the pictures in it and few words. But the story of Jonah was depicted by a, a large whale with his tongue sticking out. And Jonah, bearded Jonah with a big smile on his face, is cooking marshmallows over the fire uh, that is located on the tongue of that whale. Hope that's not what you think of when you think of the book of Jonah. We're going to be looking at this book over the next three or over three weeks. We do have next week the um, triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. We'll celebrate that and then Good Friday and then Easter. And then after that, we'll pick back up with this study with chapter three and chapter four. But let me set the context for the, the book of Jonah. The Assyrians, they were a barbaric people whose name became a byword for cruelty and brutality. You remember, many of you do, 722 B.C., the Assyrians carried off the Israelites from the northern tribes. This was a northern kingdom also called Israel. The Assyrians carried them off kicking and screaming back to Assyria, and those not kicking and screaming didn't because they were either dead or because they had rings put in their noses and their lips and was chained to the backside of the person in front of them. That's how many of the Israelites were carried back off to Assyria. These Assyrians had been a thorn in the Israel side for some time, and 40, 50 years prior to the destruction of the northern kingdom, God had a prophet, and this prophet's name was Jonah. He was a northern kingdom prophet. He delivers God's word, God's message to Israel, the northern kingdom. This prophet was told to go to the Assyrians living in Nineveh and preached that they should repent. And it just so happens that during this time, uh, economic depression hit Assyria, so the Assyrians were no military threat to Israel at this specific time. But Jonah didn't obey the Lord. In fact, he disobeyed the Lord. He went in the opposite direction towards a place called Tarshish. He boarded a boat, and God brought about a great storm. And it was so severe that the the sailors threw Jonah overboard to calm the storm. And God sent a 
large fish to swallow Jonah, and he spent three days in its belly. That fish spit Jonah out onto dry land, and God told Jonah a second time to go to Nineveh and preach the message of repentance. And this time, Jonah obeyed, and when he preached, the whole entire city repented. But this angered Jonah. See, Jonah did not want to preach repentance. He wanted to preach judgment. But this book is not about Jonah. This book is primarily about God, more specifically the mercy of God. In fact, God is mentioned in this minor prophet in these few chapters 38 times. In fact, on the Day of Atonement, this book was so important that the Israelites, the Jews, they would read this book not because he was swallowed by a big fish, but because judgment was averted for one more year as the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. This book of Jonah was, was read. See, Jonah is a story about God's mercy. Some would say that this, this story recorded in this book is not a, a historical event. I will... I will say that these events mentioned in this book are pretty incredible, much like many of the events found in the Bible. Some say that this story is just a tall tale, and I would, I would say that it's a true tall tale. See, Joseph, I mean, Jonah was a real person in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 23 and 25. It tells us that during Jeroboam, the son of Joash's reign, it says, this king did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. He restored the border of Israel from Labo Hamath, as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, who was from gath Hefer. Jonah was a historical figure and when asked by the Pharisees for a sign Jesus responded in Matthew chapter 12 verse 40 and 41 for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish so would the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold something greater than Jonah is here of course that something greater was Jesus himself Jesus said Jonah was a real person and he believed it so we should also in fact Jesus made Jonah's experience a model for the doctrine of his resurrection so we we believe that this was a an actual event an actual person and all the things that that, that are recorded in this book actually happened well Jonah is the first prophet sent to the Gentiles. He was a missionary. He goes to Nineveh, the capital of the Assyria, which is today is at the modern-day city of Mosul in Iraq. But what I want to do, I've kind of set the precedent for our study. I want to share with you three things that we should learn from these first two chapters. And, and as I mention these things, you'll notice that these aren't really about Jonah. And the first thing that we learn from these chapters is that God is sovereign over storms and fish and everything in between. See, nothing in life happens without the Lord causing it or allowing it to occur. In verse 4, after Jonah rebelled against the Lord, he boarded that boat, he loaded that boat, headed for Tarshish. Verse 4 says that the Lord 
caused this great storm, and it was a big one, so big that the storm um, caused these veteran sailors to be afraid for their lives. And so what did they do? The scriptures tell us that they threw their cargo overboard to lighten the ship, and they cried out to their pagan gods for help. And it was just, at this time, the captain found Jonah sleeping in the bottom of the ship, and so he yelled at him and told him to get up and call out to his God for help. Notice in verse 6, it doesn't say that Jonah did so. After all, what is Jonah doing? But he's in rebellion against the Lord. Well, after no help came from their gods, verse 7 tells us that the pagans do what pagans do best. They resorted to their own superstitions as they tried to decide the reason for the storm. Who's responsible for the storm. Someone must have offended their God. And so what do they do? They cast lots. They did not know Proverbs 16, verse 3, of course, which says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. They're practicing divination. But even their superstition, but even in that superstition, this sovereignty of God overrules. And so the lot falls on who? Jonah. See, Jonah is caught red-handed. And so what did the sailors do? They interrogate Jonah and they ask what he has done and what they could do to appease Jonah's God. And Jonah told them in verse 12 that they had to cast him over the, overboard. See, Jonah had determined not to obey the Lord, first by running from Nineveh and, and, and now by dying at sea. What's interesting is these sailors, they made a last-ditch effort to save Jonah's life. They wanted to get to shore, but to no avail. And finally, they decided to throw Jonah overboard. Look at verse 14. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. Notice what it says. For you, O Lord have done as it pleased you. See, the sailors see that God has done this thing. He's caused this storm. In verse 15, the Lord affirmed this by immediately, as soon as Jonah hits the water, what happens? The storm ceases. So God affirms this by calming the sea. In verse 16, the sailors, they're convinced that God is the true God. And what do they do? It says they offered sacrifices to God and even making some vows to Him as well. See, they had learned that their pagan gods were of no help. Their pagan gods could not answer their prayers, nor could they control the sea. They knew that this sin, this rebellion against the Creator God, brought divine judgment. And they understood that they were saved by the death of another, Jonah. These pagans became saints while the prophet Jonah is still a prodigal. It's interesting, isn't it? In trying to avoid preaching to the Ninevites, Jonah has unwillingly preached to the sailors. And as a result, they've come to faith in his God. But again, verse 17, notice the language. It denotes that God is in control over all things. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three 
nights. The Lord appointed a great fish. He sent this fish to swallow Jonah. So we see the storm. We see them, the sailors casting the lots and it falling on Jonah. We see the storm ceasing and then this big fish coming and swallowing Jonah all teach us that God is sovereign. It teaches us that we're not left to, things aren't left to chance. All things are caused or allowed by this sovereign Lord. And, you know, knowing that God is sovereign gives us great comfort when we go through difficult times. It causes us to rejoice in our difficulties, knowing that everything that happens is for His glory and for our good. In fact, in Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. And in times like these, isn't it wonderful to know that the Lord is sovereign over all things, even viruses? We learn that God is sovereign. We also learn the second thing, that there are consequences to sin. Back up to verse 3. Jonah rebels and he travels in the opposite direction from Nineveh. It says to flee from the presence of the Lord. What's Jonah doing here? See, Jonah is put in his two weeks notice. Jonah is trying to resign from his office, but the Lord wouldn't let him. We can see how Jonah, I mean, we can see how he could have been deceived by seeking guidance from convenience or coincidental circumstances. I mean, false security might have, have Jonah seen as maybe being in the will of God because all things are working to his favor. I mean, imagine Jonah, he's fleeing. He goes down to the, the dock to find a, a boat, and lo and behold, there's a boat going to Tarshish, and he, he wants to buy a ticket, and, and lo and behold, the, the price of the ticket is what he's got in his pocket, and, and he gets on board, and he's able to sleep soundly. Must be the Lord. This must be the Lord's will. One pastor says, When a person decides to run from the Lord, Satan is always happy to provide transportation or accommodations. See, Jonah was a prophet of God. He was used to sharing God's message, God's word to his people, the Israelites. But this one mission trip, he wasn't ready for. He's not delivering God's message to God's people, but he's delivering God's message to God's enemies, to his enemies. See, the, the Assyrians were the ISIS of the 8th century. They had been a thorn in Israel's side for some time. And Jonah hated the Assyrians as they were legendary for their brutality, for their cruelty. I mean, they impaled the enemies um, on stakes. They skinned their enemies alive. The, to the captives, they would would hack off their noses and their ears and gouge out their eyes. To their own criminals, they would burn them to death as a, a, a form of execution. And as I mentioned earlier, the, the Israelites, when they exiled them, the, the northern kingdom, they chained them together through their noses and through their backsides. You know, we think maybe Jonah shouldn't be given such a hard time about sharing with them, but Jonah is a prophet of the Lord. Instead of obeying the Lord, heading east toward Nineveh, he headed in the opposite direction towards Tarshish. I mean, this is a hard thing for Jonah to do, to go and preach a message of repentance, but he rebelled against the Lord. I mean, to go and preach 
to your enemies a message of judgment, that would be one thing. Preaching judgment would have been easy, but judgment proclamations are always conditional, right? Judgment will happen if repentance doesn't occur. We see that throughout the prophets. Jeremiah 18, verse 7 and 8 says, At one moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down, or to destroy it. If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent concerning calamity I plan to bring on it. See, Jonah knew God, didn't he? He knew him intimately. And he knew that God delighted in forgiving and repenting of repenting sinners. He knew that some of the 120,000 people in Nineveh would repent. And Jonah didn't want his enemies to repent. He wanted the worst for them, not the best. And so he disobeyed. He sinned against the Lord. But notice the consequences. The Lord brought up a storm. And what did it cost these sailors? It cost them their cargo, their livelihood, and almost their lives. We know from Scripture that there are consequences to sin, but isn't it also a, a fact that others usually suffer the consequences along with the guilty party? I mean, think about in Scripture examples, David and Bathsheba. Think about Uriah and how he perished at the hand of David because of David's sin. You think about their child that died childbirth. Think about Achan in Joshua 7. Do you remember the story after Jericho fell? God told them to destroy the city but not to take the devoted things. But Achan, he took what? A cloak and he, he took silver and he took a, a bar of gold. And as a result, the next battle they went into, do you remember 36 of his fellow Israelites died? There's consequence to sin. What about the 10 spies? You remember that story, don't you? As the 12 spies were sent in, they spent 40 days in the promised land. They come back and they give a report. And 10 of those spies didn't trust the Lord. Said the cities are too fortified and the, the, the people are too powerful. And so they discouraged the people from going in and taking the land. And as a result of their sin, their lack of faith, they and all that they loved over 20 years of age died in the wilderness. See, there's consequences to our sin. I was on a, a, a canoeing trip back when I was a youth pastor here at Beaver some 20 years ago. And I took about 20 students with me and this was this was a different time where you could you could pack as many students in a 15 passenger van as it'll hold and we went up to the buffalo river and i went with a friend of mine who was also a youth pastor and he was courting a girl and he had his girlfriend along and so we were the chaperones and so i was in front and he was in back and most of our group were girls and no offense ladies but uh not many ladies know how to canoe or more or less not just canoe but know how to 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 empty the canoe of water and get it back upright, right? So my job, I soon realized my job was, that, was, to, was to help overturn the canoes and, and, and empty them with water. And so I, but the problem was I didn't do it just for my group, but my, my buddy, my youth pastor friend, he was bringing up the rear and he was bringing way up the rear. He was way on back there and never to be found. We, we lost him a few minutes into the trip, and we didn't see him until uh, we were finished with the trip. But um, needless to say, I got in the flesh, and um, I let my friend and his girlfriend know what I thought about their chaperoning neglect. 
I let his students know what I thought about their canoeing skills or lack thereof. I even let my students know what I thought about them and how they um, didn't know how to canoe. But I, I got in the flesh, and it was like, you know, the, the, the Peanuts uh, cartoon where it's all sunny everywhere, but yet Snoopy has this dark cloud, and it's raining on him as he, as he travels. Well, that was me that day. And because of my sin, I got in the flesh, and I, I was angry, and I, I vented that. I let people know what I thought at that moment. And but what that taught me that was a trip the the Buffalo River uh, canoe trip from hell is what I call it and I've remembered that to this day and but what it taught me is that there's consequences to sin because it took me about a month a, a solid month to make right uh, with everyone that I had offended and 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 that was a terrible ordeal and needless to say I didn't get invited to preach at that church ever again uh, I took a few uh, tongue lashing from parents and I hurt my relationship with my, my buddy and I learned you know you got to be real careful what you do and how you act and what you say because there's consequences to uh, to sin you think about sin it endangers others and really, in the church, it must be removed. And Jonah's sin, it was life-threatening, wasn't it, to these sailors. His sin prompted the wrath of God, and all who were on board that ship with him were in great danger. And it was only after they cast Jonah overboard that the sailors were safe. And um, I think about that. It's kind of a, a good picture, an illustration, isn't it, of church discipline, I think. Um, just as Jonah's sin endangered the entire ship, so the sin of a, a one believer in the church can endanger and corrupt the entire church. You know, Paul teaches us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He says it in verse 6, A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. See, the leaven was the portion of the previous week's dough. And they would take a, a portion of that and set it aside, and they would mix it with the new dough that would, that would make it rise. But Paul says that leaven, that yeast, that it'll, it'll infiltrate and it'll affect um, the rest of the group, the rest of the loaf. And so for the church to fail to deal with the sins of one of its uh, church members is to endanger the whole church. Just as Jonah had to be thrown overboard, so the willful, wayward, rebellious uh, believer must be what disfellowshipped and put out, as we're taught in First Corinthians chapter five. So there, there are consequences uh, to sin, and some of us here um, are dealing with consequences, aren't we, of our own sin? Maybe a spouse has lost trust in you. Maybe a, one of your children is uh, having a hard time submitting to your authority. Maybe a friend is distancing himself from you. Maybe you're, you've lost a job or you're losing a job because of your sin. Well, some of us may be suffering the consequences of someone else's sin. Maybe you're the innocent party. Maybe uh, it's because of a family member's actions that you're suffering or a co-worker or maybe even a, a member of our church. God is sovereign, isn't he, over all things? But his sovereignty doesn't eliminate consequences of sin and when we sin there are consequences not just for our, the guilty party not just for ourselves and our own uh, sin but there's consequences that others experience as well and suffer from and the last thing that I want to point out from our text today, to, to this morning is that God is merciful 
Look at chapter 2. Chapter 2, God didn't give Jonah what he deserved. What did, what did Jonah deserve? He rebelled against the Lord. He's a prophet, but he's not obeying the Lord. He deserved God's words, didn't he? Look at, look at chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. He's thrown overboard, right? And the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows pass over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. He's, he's about to drown, right? The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. You can just picture him sinking deeper and deeper, and the water's getting darker and darker. Look at verse 6. And this is the word you need to circle in your Bible. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. And how did he bring up his life from the pit? He sent this, this large fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was saved by being eaten by a fish. And he spent three days in the belly of this fish before he was spit out, verse 10 tells us, onto dry land. Jonah cried out to God, and God saved him in the most unique of ways. Did Jonah deserve it? Absolutely not. But God is merciful. And we think about those sailors. What did they deserve? They're crying out to their pagan gods. They're in rebellion against the Lord, but yet God saved them as well, and they didn't deserve it either. Well, we'll wrap things up by way of application. What can we take away, and how can we apply this to our lives? Well, first thing I point out is that these sailors, they were saved both, both physically and spiritually, I believe, because they obeyed what they knew to be God's will, and thus you could say the gospel for them. They obeyed the gospel. See, they realized they couldn't save themselves. They realized that sin, this rebellion against the creator God, brought divine judgment. And they also understood that one had to be sacrificed for them. What about us today? We too need to recognize that we can't save ourselves. See, the truth of the matter is we're all sinners. We're all rebellious against the Lord. And because of our sin, because of our rebellion, the Lord is says we're at enmity with him and he with us. We're separated from the Lord, and, and to be separated from the Lord means when we breathe our last that God will pour out his wrath upon us in eternal hell. And we'll be separated from the Lord for all eternity, and that's what we deserve. But the good news is that Jesus... 2,000 years ago, he came to this earth and he took on flesh and he obeyed the law of God perfectly. And he died for sinners so that sinners could be forgiven and that they could have a restored relationship with God. Jesus gave up his life so that we could be saved. And so I want to encourage you just by way of application, if you've yet to repent and trust Christ's work on the cross as your own, I want to encourage you to do that today. Cry out to the Lord in repentance. And it may look something like this. You may pray a prayer something like this. God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know that I've been wrong and I've done wrong. I've rebelled against you. I realize that I, my sin deserves your wrath and your judgment and your punishment. And I deserve hell to be separated from you for all eternity. But today I recognize that I'm a sinner, and I don't want to sin anymore. I realize that Jesus died on the cross for sinners like me. 
And I recognize that Jesus took my punishment on the cross and he died bearing my sin. He was buried and on the third day he rose from the grave so that I could be justified before you. And I want to give you my life and I want to follow Jesus and obey Jesus and I want Jesus to be my Savior today. Will you save me? You can pray something like that. By way of application, you need to repent if you've yet to repent from your sin. Second thing, for all of us, remember that God is sovereign over storms and fish and everything in between. See, nothing in life happens without God causing it or allowing it. Not even the coronavirus is out of his control. So take comfort in that, church. Be encouraged and know that all of this is working for our good if we love him. Thirdly, remember that there are consequences to sin. We don't sin in a vacuum. Not only do we suffer consequences, but those in our church family, those in our homes, those in our workplaces, they also suffer the consequences of our sin. And sometimes those consequences are, are terrible. And fourthly, the last thing, being at peace, remember, being at peace doesn't mean that you're in God's will. Everything's going okay, everything's going well, you sleep well at night, that doesn't mean you're in God's will. Jonah, he was in direct disobedience to the Lord. But he got on that boat, and what was he doing in the, the hull of that ship? He was sleeping soundly at peace, wasn't he? But all was not well. So remember that. It's good to be able to study God's Word, isn't it? To be able to sing truth songs to the Lord, to be able to study truth as well. I want to encourage you to worship with us again next week, 10.30 Sunday mornings. Next week we'll be studying the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. Then we'll have Good Friday and then Easter. And we'll be doing all that remotely. We'll be sending you the information uh, about that. You can see that on our website, on our Facebook page. But I want to, for our benediction, I want to pray for us and ask God to empower us to walk with Him and obey Him this week. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we acknowledge You are good. We're thankful for Your Word. We're thankful for the book of Jonah. We're thankful for His bad example that He gives us. Lord, we recognize that you're sovereign over all things, Lord. Nothing happens that you don't allow or cause. Nothing's out of your control. Nothing in life is so chaotic that you're wringing your hands over it. Father, your will will be done. We recognize that. And God, it gives us comfort. Lord, comfort your church. Encourage your church. Father, we know there are a lot of uncertainty. Lord, uncertain about when we're going to be able to meet together again. Uncertainty about some people's work. Uncertainty about going back to school. A lot of uncertainty. But Father, we know that you're sovereign over it all. Remind us of that this week, that you're sovereign. Father, Remind us that sin has grave consequences, Father. Bring that to our attention this week as we're tempted to go our own way. Lord, we're so prone to wander, go astray from you. Remind us of these truth in the book of Jonah that 
there's consequences to sin. Not only we do we suffer, but those we love suffer as well. Father, for those here, those watching and listening who've yet to repent and trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, I pray that you would allow this sweet gospel message to ring loud in their ears. Father, just as those sailors were aware, maybe for the first time, that the wages of sin is death and sin deserves judgment. Father, may that weigh heavy on sinners' hearts even now. And Father, may sinners recognize just as Jonah was thrown overboard as a sacrifice to save those sailors, Jesus died 2,000 years ago to save sinners. May you grant repentance and faith to those who need it today. Father, empower your church to do your work. Lord, there are so many who are needing to hear the gospel. Lord, may you give us opportunity this week as your church to be faithful, to share the gospel. May we live holy lives. May we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.